bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. We don't play nothing but real country music. Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... In the morning. Everybody's doing it. Pull you up a chair and listen to this. Welcome back to another episode of Sidetrack. Well, you posted the second verse there perfectly. I do my best. As always, coming to you from the Second Baptist Bar and Grill. Powered all year long by Dirty Hooker Diesel. And we got to give a big welcome back. Our favorite series is coming back to play this week. Pull out your favorite mirror and razor blade. Break out the singles. Undies, man. Hookers and Blow is back. Good, good show coming up. Yeah, I think you're going to be happy. I know I am. Talking to Legend, not the puller himself, but the tractor. Yep. Well, he kind of was. He was involved. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And we got some big news breaking for Sidetracked. Yeah? It's not that big. Yeah. Maybe it'll stop some of the bitching. It will that. Then again, we really don't give a shit if you bitch. And if people bitch too much, comments deactivated. Because that is a part of it. Hashtag CFG. That means we don't give a fuck what you say. 
back after this short break from our commercial sponsors. We'll be back with the news, birthdays, obituaries, and more. Dirty Hooker Diesel is your full-size diesel performance specialist in Harbor Beach. We're Michigan's final authority on anything performance and replacement related. Specializing in diesel performance parts and accessories for Duramax, Cummins, and PowerStroke diesel engines. From custom-built transmissions and engines to CP3 pumps and injectors. Check them out at DirtyHookerDiesel.com. Hi, this is Tony Burkett, owner of Dirty Hooker Diesel. We are a full-service repair facility that can handle any task from stock to modified, big or small. So give us a call, 989-479-0444. Dirty Hooker Diesel, the final authority on everything performance and replacement. And we're back on sidetracked with pulling radio networks. Still, they still haven't kicked us off, Charles. I I don't understand how the hell that's happened. Never heard of them. Next. We just keep us in the basement. We don't, you know, we don't get any attention down here. Dave hasn't even been in the basement in the past two weeks. This is getting old. Dave's dead. Oh. Cool. So we're going to be taking over the Thursday and Wednesday spot now. Might as well. Nobody else does a show on Wednesday night, so why not be sidetracked A and sidetracked B? Yeah, why not? Nobody says we can't. Just do it! Nobody listens anyways. This is also true. So No uh, one's been listening because they couldn't. All the bitching we've been hearing. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, well. I do this to hear my own voice every week. Yeah, we do do that, don't we? You so mean, far, I'm still not happy with how I sound. I hate my voice. Well, it is pretty girly. It is. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to break out. I'm a Barbie girl. <laughs> Sound like a really... Never mind. Anyways, well, don't worry. One day you'll Get hit puberty. One day you'll hit puberty. It won't be an issue. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath. I wouldn't. No. I can't. I smoke too much. That's a problem. <laughs> so, uh, of course, this week we're bringing back hookers and blow. You've been waiting for this for a long time. And even if you haven't been waiting for it, I don't give a shit. We've been waiting for it. And maybe you weren't around back then when we used to do cool tech pieces like that before. Oh, this is a techie version. Let's see. Heck, hookers and blow one was over a year ago. That was April of last year. Yeah, because uh, Carl actually did that one. Yeah, and Hookers and Blow 2 was, I think, right around this time last year. Yeah, because that was Ed Schubert. Yep. And it's been, yeah, here we are. It's it, Well, when you hear this, it'll be June 1st. It'll be a short piece this year, this time. He is real. <laughs> this, this week. This week. The length's actually pretty long, but. <laughs> Good show. Good show. I'm happy with it. The only guy I know who can actually sleep underneath a sink. And does. <laughs> so, uh, first, we got any... <laughs> oh, my God. So, what what do we got for news? I mean, I guess there's a poll going on this Friday. There's several polls going on this Friday. Um, I'm sure that uh, the PRN crew, anyway, will you be... You can get a load of a lot of things. Widely dispersed. I think Kenny will be somewhere where a monster truck is flying. In Kenny who? A mountain. Yeah, another guy who doesn't do a show anymore. Okay. Uh, used to do something called the Pull... I think we're changing the name from Pullcast Live to Pullcast Dead. 
Dave Fultz, a.k.a. Behind the Holler is the name of his show. I think we've changed that to Under the Holler because he's a jack stand. That's all he is. He'll be in a pool somewhere in Kentucky. Uh, James Phillips, I don't know if he's pulling this weekend or not. Uh, No, I just seen a picture. He's going to try starting some shit, though. Right. um, (laughs) Ray's going to be, yeah, literally. Ray's going to be frying some chickens at some ski lodge (laughs) in New York. Subpar beer sales. Expensive. Budweiser. Uh, but we know that uh, Mr. Eric Pruitt will be traveling to Benson, North Carolina, to the Glot Motorsports Park, and uh, get covering a load the, of this. the get a load of this. Uh, the supernatural. Super you remember national. when Portier and Building Supply? That was their logo. They had the yeah. picture of the mixer, and it said, yep. "Get a load of this." Get a load of this. Yeah. So now another concrete company is u- utilizing it now. Is I think we can agree train. which one of them was more successful in that venture. <laughs> no shit, the one that's still <laughs> open. <laughs> And that owns like seven pulling tractors and 18 pro mod drag cars and a drag strip. But anyway, he'll be out there, as will uh, Dave Whalen, our, uh, one of our contributing photographers. They'll both yep. be covering yep. the action from Benson, North Carolina. And Drew and myself will be in Peck, Michigan for the Thumb Tractor Pulling Association season opener and a test session. Wait, we're doing that this week? That's this week. That's just for starters. I didn't even look beyond Friday night as far as the calendar goes. Actually, I'm off after I, – I don't have anything going the rest of the week. Actually, I think Saturday I'm going to be going to a mud bog. Where is that at? Uh, Yale Lions Club. Oh, uh, okay. So, actually, you don't have the kids this weekend. I do not. Do you have any responsibilities otherwise? I'm sure there's something at the farm that's got to be worked on. but I didn't ask if phony responsibilities. I mean – Mm, uh, let me think. We can at least pull out cameras to get stuff for Redline. That show that we were going to do, but I haven't done. Yeah. I think maybe that's going to happen. I think so. I know Saturday they're doing the, um, like, uh, bump and run or something like that. But uh, Sunday, I, I can't make that. I got a grad party, so. Oh, you're finally graduating, are you? Yeah, I, I'm very proud to announce I'm graduating the second grade. Uh, the past seven attempts have been brutal. Um, it's a lot harder than first grade, which only took me five attempts to get through, but you know what? Kindergarten was the hardest. I still have an issue eating paste. So ain't my fault. I'm 29 and just hit the end of second grade. Mm. I'm just laughing because Dave and I are going to be in the same class next year. (laughs) <laughs> that's the way I grew up and that's the way I'm on a bait so uh yeah I got a little bit of action uh trying to think what else I got going on nothing else really in this area going on uh southwestern Ontario of course not going to be taken off till uh Father's Day weekend and uh trying to think had they haven't had anything else going. I think oh, uh, OVTPA is going to be getting rolling here soon. I got to look at their schedule again, but uh, we get proper calendar up here on the wall in front of us for next week. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, I like that calendar. Actually, I got do have to update that. It's the end of May, and I'm still on April. <laughs> we probably could have missed out on something really good there, and that'd be really, really disappointing. April's not bad, but maybe May was just as good looking. Hold on. We're going to find out right now. Uh, she's the same girl? No. No. No, no. This we didn't one's miss Latino. Anything. 
God, that booty. Damn, I'm getting old. I can't see it. It's only like nine feet away. And... Here, here. I'll, I'll bring it closer for you. Not bad. Well, June is... Sorry, sorry, ATI. You're kind of left out. We're going to go right to Canton Rating Racing Products. and Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with June. Anyway, uh, back to the news. Now that we've interrupted, I don't know. That was pretty, pretty good news. Uh, got interrupted. How we get interrupted? We got distracted by a racing oh, junk calendar. Yeah, but that's nice. It's not bad. Anyway, so uh... you wanted it. You asked for it. It's finally back. The sidetracked website. Yes. Is now. No longer sidetrackpulling.com. No, it is not. Well, that site's still there, and you can get the old shows there, but that's not going to be the one going that, forward. That that got lost in the breakup. It did. Now you can go to www.sidetrackproductionsinc.com. And anybody who wants to bitch about it being too long, tough shit, eat my shorts. It's what it is. It's there. Um, it's very basic right now. Uh, there's just the, the homepage, and if you click on the updates, that's where you'll be able to find the podcast's or now, until we could get a dedicated page for that. I mean, it's but, so uh, basic. It's in leggings, Uggs, with the Starbucks cup in its hand. It's wearing a North Face coat. Yep. <laughs> Sloppy up, too. It's so basic that it can't even right now. Literally, just can't even. It just can't even. <laughs> it's not optimized for mobile yet. It just can't even. <laughs> but you can download the show, and we do have the RSS feed working. I f- well, it's there. I don't it's know. There. If it's I don't know if it works, it. but whatever. There'll be a vague, passive-aggressive Facebook post about it. Oh my God, <laughs> Jennifer! <laughs> so with that, we don't have. Do you have any obituaries for this week? I know of none, which is good. I don't have any that I know of. We had a bad stretch last week. So, yes, we did. Kind of, kind of glad not to see anything on. Let me see. Because what I do is I'm notorious. I screenshot stuff, but then I screenshot like 30 million other things off my phone because, well, that's how I roll around. And uh, then I forget all about it. Dead air. Love it. Oh, we're doing our best impression of somebody else. Do it. Get it done. Nope, because I'm back to the FedEx guy that I posted on uh, Tony Burkhardt's wall after his little incident down at Broviac shop. Why is it taking so long? So nothing there. So that brings us up to birthdays. Yes. You got any birthdays? Yes. You started off because mine just decided to default back, which is horseshit. Oh, wonderful. We'll start with uh, Thursday as you hear this. June 1st, uh, turning 23, part of the Cummins Killer Pulling Team in Wisconsin, Dylan Kuslick, is uh, having his 23rd birthday. Uh, Marty Wilson will be turning 56. Uh, Michigan Pro Street Truck Puller Dave Sacra is 51. Antique Puller Kenny, oh, that's on to Friday. Excuse me, I'm getting, getting too fast here. I was going to say, I got, I do have one. I got to make sure I say, because otherwise Katie Bob will hurt me. Oh, happy birthday to uh, Mrs. Katie Yake. Katie Bob, I'm not going to say her age, dear. Don't worry. She's only a minute older than me, but 
Happy birthday to her. She'll hurt me if I don't say happy birthday to her. Also, uh, Mr. Chad Lindsay, who hired us, hired me to come to his uh, diesel event here coming up, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Happy birthday to him, turning 39. And also, uh, in that same uh, pro street realm, Mr. Billy Rata, oh, turning 21. Yep. That'll Another him. one, uh, antique puller, Mr. Derek Young, turning 25. That's all I got. All right. And then on the Friday, uh, Antique Puller Kenny Stockdale is turning 24. Uh, Mr. Lynn Miller, um, brother to, or excuse me, doubly brother, or, excuse me. Yeah, brother to uh, Mr. LaVon Miller. Not saying age, but he isn't going to grow up anytime soon, at least no. vertically. <laughs> Hashtag Hobbit Racing. <laughs> I can say that. It says so on the crew shirts. And another one coming from the Sacra clan there. Uh, Miss Cassie Sacra turning 19 years old. Happy birthday to her. That's it for me for Friday. I got a bunch for Saturday, though. Yeah. First up on the list, Mr. Paul Wilson. Happy birthday to Herm. To him. Herm. Herm. Her. Um, also on Saturday, uh, Canadian... Uh, Street Mod Diesel Puller, Mr. Nick Kulak, turning 26. Happy birthday to him. Now, I'm going to take a venture a guess because it's not showing up. And I thought I had both. But I'm just judging by the one name, and I think you have this person too. Yeah. I think there should be two people on that list. There should be. Uh, first and foremost, happy birthday to Mr. Kyle Volker, turning 23 years old. And I'm going out on a limb because I'm scrolling down, not seeing anything for Sunday. You know, you never know. Could have been a day gap, you know, just because of timing. But uh, happy birthday also to his twin brother, Eric. I don't think Eric does the Facebook thing. I thought he was. I don't know. We'll have to to Facebook stalk him. So happy birthday to him. Let's see. I'm... That's all I got. Oh, all I got is Monday. Yep. And that's a very, very important one. Yes. Why don't you do that one? Uh, happy birthday to Miss Lisa Griggs, who is turning 62 from KPAC, no, Michigan. No, she's not. She is... Uh, she's she's wife 26 of, this year. Right. <laughs> she's wife of Johnny Griggs, who uh, passed away a year ago, a longtime uh, antique puller here in Great the Fum area. friend of ours. Yeah, dear friend of the family and... Uh, so, happy birthday to Lisa, and hopefully we get to see her at the, at the track a couple times this summer. That'd be great. Another one we got is Mr. Nick Borson, turning 17, from the famous uh, Borson clan, coming from the uh, farming monopoly, so to speak, in the southwest region of Michigan. Yes. I think they got a couple tractors. They don't run. They're John Deere's, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. I got one for Tuesday too. Do you got? I got a couple for Tuesday. You got any? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go. Go. Dusty Price from uh, Price Marketing and and several other connections to the sport of pulling and a guy who is putting together what is going to be the coolest looking mini rod when it finally gets out. Uh, Dusty Price has his birthday on Tuesday. I guess I don't have Dusty. So. Dale Bartels, uh, another fellow announcer, turning fifty-eight years old. Happy birthday to him. And then uh, Miss Rebecca Zerk. Mm-hmm. 19. That's so cute. Oh, a little tyke. I, I have a feeling we'll probably be seeing her tomorrow. 
Yes. And then we do be. Wednesday too, right? Yeah. Happy birthday to uh, Lisa Rapp, wife of uh, former owner of One Band Apple, Jeff Rapp. Holy cow, I'm making up for him on Wednesday. Uh, Mr. Nick T- Sweet turning 26 years old. Happy birthday to him. Happy birthday also to Renee Theobald, a pretty wicked two-wheel drive puller. You got her on Facebook? Yeah. Lucky Yippee. Uh, Mr. Tyler Rumenap also turned 26. Happy birthday to him. Trying to figure it all the time, but with that baby face, you know, it's like, <laughs> looks like he's 12. Actually just made a job change going to whatever, I can't think of the name of the company that actually JBE does it. JBE equipment or AIS or whatever. No, it's not that. AIS. It's actually uh, whatever the owner's family are because the dealerships that have John Deere and the dealerships that have Komatsu and that, they couldn't enter hall with the same truck. Yeah, yeah, that type of bullshit, so. Still looks like he's 12, though. It's like, oh, absolutely. Chris Oz could be on TV. Oh, I'm 40 years old. Sure you are. Here's your graham cracker. <laughs> Another one, Mr. Uh, Josh Wilhelm, uh, antique puller company out of Minnesota, turning 37. Happy birthday to him. Uh, Mr. Kenny Colmeyer turning 66. Happy birthday to him. And Dirk Vandenbosch, turning 42, uh, puller from uh, just across that little pond. Oh, you going from across the pond? So do I. Yeah. Klaus Mühlenbrock from Germany. Ah, yes. Pulls, I'm not sure. I don't I don't know if it's the Euro Pro Stock or uh, one of their uh, hot farm classes over there. But that's all we got for that, So, because otherwise we're on the next day, so... Yeah, that's it. So with that, we're going to take a break. This is Sidetracked on that radio network. I know words. I have the best words. You make your living going up and down the road, and time is money. Would you like to save from 5 to 25% on fuel, up to 25% more power with better bottom-end acceleration? You need to get with DieselFreak.com and their truck tuning services. Works for Cummins, Caterpillar, Detroit Diesel, and more. If you want to kick it up another notch, you can get their off-highway tuning for high horsepower. It'll unlock the RPM limiters, twin turbo setups, VGT turbo replacement, EGR valve delete, DPF delete, urea delete, and more, and it all comes with a 30-day warranty. Now only that, they've also moved into the agriculture realm. They'll bring their dyno on site to you. Get a baseline on your tractor, write a custom tune for it, load it up, and show you the difference. Also with a 30-day warranty, save fuel, increase power with performance tuning from DieselFreak.com. For Case IH, Challenger, Claus, Fent, John Deere, Massey, Ferguson, New Holland, Valtra, and more, DieselFreak.com. They can be reached at 989-748-4145. 989-748-4145. Ask for Wade and tell them the bullet Radio Network sent you. And we're back with Sidetrack powered by Dirty Hooker Diesel, your Duramax specialist located up in Harbor Beach, Michigan, powering us all year long here on Pulling Radio Network and the long-awaited return of your favorite series, break out your favorite mirror and razor blade. We're getting back to hookers and blows. So we're getting back with this. It's been uh, quite some time since we've done one, but we're going... Uh, uh, artificially aspirated uh, race gas, so supercharged, turbocharged. A little bit of an obscure thing within the pulling world, but it uh, it applies. It cover. We need to cover it. 
Oh, absolutely. Figure out how it's probably one of done. the coolest classes out there. See it run with Southwestern Ontario. And I guess we got, so to speak, the king of turbocharged race gas over in Ontario right now. On the line with us, good friend of ours, Mr. Doug Rosson. How are you doing today, Doug? Good. How are you doing? Well, well, hold on. Let's see. I'm doing better now. I just cracked a beer, so. Yep, perfect. <laughs> so, Doug, you're coming us from, uh, I guess you could say, the great white north as far as everybody else from the U.S. realizes, but a uh, beautiful country up there. Uh, Carlo, if I remember right, for you. Yep. Which, if anybody doesn't know where that's at, it's the... Uh, Greater Dungannon area is what we call it. <laughs> Whole bunch of you guys from yeah. up in that area, but uh, you've been a, quite a long time puller with this uh, turbocharged race gas, and why don't you tell us how you got into the sport first and foremost? Um, well, I had a good friend of mine years ago. <clears throat> um, we did, uh, he was into tractor pulling. His dad was into tractor pulling and his grandpa and, and, uh, he ended up getting me into tractor pulling. We were just basically, you know, stock antique stuff at that time. Like I had, a uh, I bought a 44 Massey Harris that we were pulling and, and, uh, his dad was really into it in the seventies and, uh, he got killed in a, in an accident. So he ended up buying, a his dad was pulling a 666 international when he was killed and he bought a 666 international and put the turbocharger on it just like his dad had when he was pulling and he was one of my best friends and he kind of got me into tractor pulling so it just kind of went from there with the antiques and then of course you know once you start pulling you get that bug and then you got to go faster and more power and so we went from antique into basically, you know, modified. Yeah, currently we're on what the light limited pro stock with Southwestern Ontario. You've been how long have you been running that class? <laughs> I've been running that class since uh, I put the first tractor was naturally aspirated uh, four sixty. I built it in ninety six uh, because we weren't allowed to turbocharge. Uh, gasoline at that time um, so we were running it naturally aspirated and uh, then probably about I pulled it like that for about uh, three years and I was seriously thinking about going to diesel because of turbocharging and they allowed us to turbocharge gasoline so I thought well that's definitely the way to go because the nice thing about gasoline I thought that you know when you're doing diesel you have to rely on somebody building your pump and all that stuff and injectors and all that. With gasoline, I figured I can make everything myself and do it myself, so it's going to be a lot cheaper. And you did. I think you were one of the few guys that I've seen that actually ran the tractor setup with, what, a single four-barrel that was a, you know, a suck-through carburetor setup on the, on the charger? Yeah, when I first built the uh, White Lightning tractor years ago, I uh, ended up there's a, the old 3.8 Buick Regals had a, a basically a draw-through turbocharger system on them where the carburetor was, four-barrel carburetor was mounted right to the turbocharger, and it drew through the carburetor into the turbocharger. So I, I kind of looked at one of them, and I made my own design and mounted the carburetor basically right on the turbocharger and just sucked through the carburetor, yeah. 
Why not? Well, it was it was basically the the nice thing was it was very inexpensive because you know just a a Holly four barrel carburetor and uh, you know bolt it on. You had to make you know I made my own intake and exhaust manifolds and stuff like that. But yeah, it was uh, you know it was a pretty basic thing. You just bolt the four barrel carburetor on and and uh, way you go. Probably easier than the other way because you didn't have to force feed the fuel into the bowls and everything if it had been under pressure. <clears throat> Right, and and I mean you're losing a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, you're losing a lot of potential for power, kind of when you draw through the carburetor because the, the carburetor is is your restrictor, right? Because they only allowed us at that time a 750 CFM carburetor, so it's kind of like you know sucking through a straw to try and feed the engine. So that was your limiting factor, and and they did that because they didn't want us to run away with the class, you know, compared to the diesels, because, you know, I think there is definitely a lot more power to be gained out of gasoline than, than diesel fuel. So that's what they limited to us with the carburetor size. Gotcha. <clears throat> so yeah, it, it, it worked very well, but it was limiting with the amount of air and fuel you could get through that carburetor drawing through it. And you guys are limited to what, a 2.5 inlet, 2.5 outlet turbocharger. So you're not even running a very large charger, so to speak, for a tractor aspect. So, Yeah, it's it's actually 2.5 on the inlet. The the outlet's 3-inch. Um, so, you know, it's a, yeah, you're pretty limited with that 2.5-inch inlet. Hear that, diesel truck guys? 2.5-inch chargers. Not a new idea. Sorry, yeah. sorry no, to derail. Doug that. should be happy there. He doesn't have to deal with the the diesel idiots that we deal with over here, you know, nearly as much. We he he deals with Carl Cross and a couple beers. You can deal with Carl. <laughs> we'll claim yeah. him. He's part of the show. Yeah, we can we can poke all we can poke all the fun you want at it, Carl. Doug, don't worry about it because he's one of the hosts of the show. So he signs a waiver saying I'm I'm not allowed to have any feelings. So it makes <laughs> oh, yeah. it real easy. Yeah. Well, he's got the, he's got that thing running pretty good, though. Oh, he does, but uh, yeah, you know this. We're getting uh, we're getting sidetracked here, so to speak. I really want to keep on this topic because this is a class you don't see anywhere else. And you know, the first tractor I ever saw you run, Doug, was of course the six hundred six. Which first and foremost, you don't see six hundred six out there, anyway. even in a farming purpose much anymore. We have one on the farm that we. Grandpa bought brand new in 65, you know, so it was kind of something that made me click to you right away was, hey, he had a 606. I, we'll, we'll keep well, going it, with the story, but what, what made you get a 606 to start pulling with is in the hot class like that? Well, and, and that was kind of the reason I, I bought that 606 is because I was, when I, when I first started building the, uh, <clears throat> the tractor to run, I ran a Massey Harris 44 with a flathead Continental in it, because you had to have the original motor for the rear end of the tractor. So was and, it a 44-6, which got you the flathead Chrysler? Or you, oh, right. right. It, it had a flathead Continental, actually, in the 44-6. But, um, yeah, so I turbocharged that. But the problem I was running into, as soon as you get up into, like, about 20 pounds of boost, it would blow a head gasket, because... You, you, that flat head just did not flow and you just could not keep head gaskets in it. I had copper head gaskets. I had everything and just couldn't, couldn't keep it together. Right. So I ended up 
knowing basically I looked around and you're looking at to really get a decent six cylinder engine that's going to work well, you know, Oliver or international is the way to go with the, you know, that little six cylinder that they had great little engine. So I ended up going to, and everybody pulls a four sixty and a five sixty, right? You see them all over the place everywhere. So I yeah, wanted, yeah, I know a I guy wanted, who does. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I wanted to stick with that international engine, but I wanted something different, right? So I was actually looking for a four sixty utility just to, for something different. And I came across that 606, which is basically just a, you know, a 460 utility, a little newer. And it was just, it caught my eye and I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It's something different. Everybody has a 460, so it was just going to be different, but I could use the same engine. Good enough reason for me. And you, <laughs> you put a lot of time, you, you ran that tractor for quite a bit of time before you went on to stray voltage. And I, that tractor still does run. I, what is it down in Kentucky, Charles? Uh, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I sold that tractor when, uh, basically they, the rules changed up here again, we were allowed, um, 400 cubic inch and I had the, that tractor was running a 301 and again we still had to match the rear end to the motor it had to be factory motor to the rear end transmission so the way to go with, to get a little more power and a little more durability i wanted to go to the 360 engine um so that's why i ended up selling the uh 606 and i went to a 666 to get that, it basically comes with a 312. That's the same. Got you a 312, but that's the same as a three DT 360. And it's identical yeah. to a 360, yeah. So that gave me, you know, a seven main engine and, and some more cubes. And just, it, it's just a little, it's a mini, um, you know, 466, basically. So a lot more durable, a few more cubes. And, and uh, yeah, had to really work to keep it light enough. Um, but just the whole chassis, same with the rear end and stuff, a lot more durable because with the 606, like I even had to put uh, billet bull gears and stuff in it because I split bull gears in half, you know. So with the 666, you don't have that problem. And the biggest change that went on with that is you left the carburetors on the wayside and you went to fuel injection similar to what we see with the alcohol tractors and you know, you're the only one that I know of over there in Canada. Well, of course, there's only two running on race gas, but you're the first one to go to that fuel in- constant feed fuel injection setup. Well, and it was kind of a progression because, you know, like we were talking, the restriction was trying to draw through that carburetor, right? So when I first built this tractor, the, the uh, stray voltage tractor now, I actually went to a blow-through carburetor. So it looks exactly like a Holly four barrel carburetor, but it, it was uh, it was a it was a C and F specialist carburetor out of California, and they said they could build you know a carburetor that would handle. And when I was talking to them, you know, they said, you know, oh yeah, it'll take boost. I said, well, how much boost will it take? And they said, oh, you know, fifteen pounds, no problem, as much as you're going to put to it, because it was basically a race car setup style, right? And I said, well, will it handle? 35 pounds of boost and they're like uh well kind of quiet for a little bit they're like (laughs) well it it'll 
probably handle it, but there's no way you could put 35 pounds of boost to a gasoline engine and make it work. And it's like, well, I'm putting 30 pounds of boost to it right now and it works fine. So I'm pretty sure 35 (laughs) shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) So I don't think they really believed me, but um, I ended up buying one of the, the CNS blow through carburetors and putting it on. And, and, you know, it was quite a growing curve too, because the way he sent it to me, he said, Oh, it's, you know, it'll be very close to calibrated what you need with the jet sizes and everything. Well, when I got it, I ended up from where he had it. Um, I basically drilled out every passage in it and made everything as big as you could possibly make in it to finally get it to run because they just didn't understand how much fuel it actually takes when you're tractor pulling, right? It's a totally different thing than drag racing. And so many people make that mistake. They think they understand it and just don't. And I, I had the same problem when I went to fuel injection, you know, the, uh, the Kinsler fuel injection that I got. Um, he thought he had it close when I, you know, when he sent it to me. And we're running almost three times as much fuel through it as what, he sent it to me in the first place. He, they just don't understand with tractor pulling, when you take off, you need a lot of fuel, but as the load comes on, you need more fuel and more fuel. And it's just, it's just unbelievable the amount of fuel you need, right? With drag racing, it kind of freewheels as you go down the track and there's just no comparison. Um, you just can't even fathom the difference. Now that's surprising. Compare that, you know, we've always heard that that the alcohol side takes way more fuel than gasoline. What were you running into? What what were you up against by staying gasoline that they just couldn't deliver that kind of of fuel level? Even though had it been a methanol setup, they would have done it. They would have been right there, probably close. And and you know, I think if they uh, they just didn't understand the gasoline part, like alcohol, you can just dump alcohol in and you don't have a fouling problem with spark plugs and stuff because I mean, it'll put raw alcohol out the exhaust pipe and it'll keep burning, right? It'll, it'll keep running with a gasoline. If you just have a little bit too much gas, it just fouls spark plugs, right? It just will not run where alcohol is a lot more forgiving that way to where you can be putting a whole bunch of alcohol in there and when you open it up and get turbo boost, it'll start burning it when it needs it. Where that's the biggest problem with gasoline is you have to have it really close a fuel ratio all the way from start to finish, or it just will not run. Gotcha. So your routine, your your return system has to be much more sensitive and probably a little bit more, probably more elaborate than what an alcohol motor would have. And yeah, that's basically it. And and the biggest question, like the biggest problem they had with it, is they just didn't understand how much gasoline it it takes. To, to burn it, right, to, to run. Probably it's very close with gasoline to alcohol um, going down the track. Because, yeah, they say it takes twice as much alcohol to run as what it does um, gasoline. But when you're tractor pulling, you need that much more, right? And the race guys just don't understand. Nobody is really tractor pulled with gasoline is the problem. Yeah. Um, alcohol, no problem. But gasoline, nobody's really played with it. So they, they were trying to set it up 
like a race car, but it's actually tractor pulling. So they just they just had no idea. How close to the methanol guys were you with your with your compression ratios? Were you that different? Uh, yeah, I don't run near as much compression ratio as what the alcohol the alcohol guys do. From what I understand, the the alcohol guys are somewhere around like thirteen to one, and I'm down around like eight to one. Oh wow, he's about where I'm going to be set with mine, so that way my main my mains live a little longer <laughs> with a three to one. <laughs> So what was the progression getting into fuel injection? I know we were talking about, you know, you went through the blow-through carburetor, which, you know, you see them out there. They're designed for a pro charger where, yeah, you're getting maybe 20 pounds of boost at the most. You know, and this is before pro chargers were really yeah. even thought about or even turbocharged. I mean, you look at the pro charger and uh, turbocharger setups, I think a lot of people don't realize in drag racing, it's still a very green setup where it's only existed maybe what? Five, seven years in a reliable capacity? At that level. I mean, you had Paxton blowers and stuff on streetcars, but it wasn't really a race setup. No. So uh, we're, what made the final move? I'm sure, of course, a rule change was part of it, but as with any rule change, there had to be some drive behind it. What made you move to the fuel injection setup? Well, the fuel injection, the reason I went that way is just because I knew I was losing so much horsepower in the draw-through carburetor and even the blow-through carburetor because, you know, it's kind of like a pail. You're just dumping it in the top and hoping it kind of goes wherever it goes, right? And with an in with the way the intake setup and stuff is, it, it's really hard to dump all your fuel in the center of an intake and make it go into each cylinder the way you need it. The flow to the cylinders is never the same or equal. So the only way to get it to each cylinder how much fuel you need is to actually inject it into each intake runner. So then you can basically make every cylinder efficient instead of just dumping a whole bunch of fuel in the center of it and just, you know, you're, when I was running the carburetor, no matter whether it was blow-through or draw-through, you're just puking it all in the intake, so you got you have to put so much fuel into that engine to stop, say, one cylinder that's running lean, that you're flooding maybe you know five cylinders to keep one cylinder from detonating. So when you go to fuel injection, now I can run different size injectors in each intake runner and have every cylinder, you know. Um, basically a perfect fuel ratio in each cylinder. So you're getting a lot more horsepower out of each cylinder because each cylinder is running efficient. And that had to have been so a big benefit you, for you for going to the DT360 or 312, whatever you want to call it, for that chassis, as opposed to a C301, which you ran, of course, in the 606, going from them Siamese ports to a cross-throw six-runner intake, six-runner exhaust had just been phenomenal as far as you for finding horsepower. That's a big thing, and the biggest problem, and I, I think that's why everybody had so much problem with trying to get help me with the the turbocharged gas work, is uh, when you pressurize, you know, any air, and it creates heat, right? 
And with the Siamese ports, yeah, so you had an exhausted intake on the same side of the engine. So not only pressurizing the intake air was creating heat, now the intake is right tight to the exhaust manifold, so you have a major heat issue. So I solved a lot of that, yeah, with this cross-flow head with the 360 design. That helped a lot. Also, when I put water injection on it, that made all the difference. Like that's why, um, basically, I ended up getting it to work. Was injecting water to stop it from detonate, detonating. Very similar to what the diesel guys do, you know, to stop detonating and keep the keep the temperature cylinder temperatures down. The same thing with gasoline, and gas gasoline is even worse. And that's why the guys that were setting this up, helping me, didn't understand. See, alcohol burns nice and cold right it's it's basically right, yep. ice cold you don't even you don't even need a radiator right on gasoline i had a major heating issue like i have a four core rad in it just to keep the engine cool and trying to keep the intake temperatures down like the first time we ran it on the dyno my intake tube i had it all nicely painted it burnt the paint off my intake like it was an exhaust pipe it was 450 degrees on the wow, intake wow. pipe and at that and point, you're worried about the, detonation right in the intake. That's where the intake. That's why I was having so much detonation problems. Was just the heat uh, in the intake. You know, it was actually igniting the fuel. You know, before it ever got to the engine. So, how many turbocharger uh, intake wheels did you launch? Um, the turbochargers actually handled it pretty good, but I blew a lot of intakes right off the side of the engine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have uh, actually the head that's on the tractor still has the uh, studs welded to the head um, <laughs> because it, it actually blew the intake right through the side panel a couple of times. <laughs> Oops. It happens. Yeah. yeah. So the other issue I had, which I never, I never thought of, um, I was running uh, basically a stock uh, – international distributor like i put the distrib i mounted the distributor where the injector pump would be i run the distributor off there but i was just using an international distributor so the distributor cap is only about three inches across right yep and it would make one pass and the second pass if we were doing back-to-back runs or something it would detonate and i just couldn't we just could not figure out what the problem was and we ended up eventually it was uh, energizing the air inside the distributor cap, and it was actually cross-firing inside yeah. the distributor. So Did you wind up going to a, big... a lot larger diameter one? Yeah, we went to like a, a, Ford. You know, a, a Ford distributor, and, and that solved that problem too. So, you know, it was hard to figure out whether I was having a, an actual um, detonation problem with the fuel or whether it was ignition, right? No, you're right. Ionizing air, which is some Star Trek shit. <laughs> yeah. Issues you'd never think you'd run across in this redneck, quote-unquote, sport that we have with pulling. And that's, that's why we do this hookers and blow segment is because we want to show the technical side and show the issues a lot of these builders come up across, you know, just like you. You know, you're in uncharted territory. Nobody ever has gone with, you know, artificially aspirated 
or, or excuse me, artificially aspirated race gas is done all the time. You see it with wind blower, whatever, but it's a draw through system. But now pressurizing yeah. a fuel system and pressurizing everything, you know, is a completely different animal. And who would have thought, you know, the air inside a distributor cap would have caused you to cross arc across poles, you know? It's nothing, yeah, you just, not something anybody would have thought of. No, you just, you just never, I would have never thought of that in a million years. It's just like, it's, it's really strange. It's, you know, it, you're beating your head against the wall thinking you got a, a fuel problem and then it's actually an ignition problem. The Allison guys are all going, he understands us because they're lo- notorious for that problem. Yeah, a lot of guys now, I guess, are are going to like the magneto setup and stuff like that. And you know, in hindsight, that probably would have been the way to go. But again, like say, <clears throat> we tried to, you know, I, I was building everything myself, so you just used what you had on hand, right? And uh, never dreamt that something like that could happen. Now, have you gone to a, like a crank trigger setup, or are you running a, an ignition system that that will fire continuous for say twenty degrees or anything like that? We're just, I'm still running the, uh, just, uh, MSD, uh, 6AL and the Ford distributor and it seems to work well. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing they say you should, a lot of guys are running, um, a boost compensating, uh, timing. So it'll, it'll retard the timing. Yeah. Um, per boost. And, and I, you know, it's probably not a bad thing. But again, that's kind of more drag racing and stuff where, you know, you want it to, to change as the boost goes up and down and stuff. Uh, the, what people don't understand with tractor pulling, you almost only need a, a toggle switch. It's either on or off, right? She's, she's wide open yeah. all the way or off. There's no, so we don't really need all that fancy progression up and down. It is, you know, on or off. Yeah, you're not having that rev gain situation and then having to shift the gear right. and it drops off. We're not doing that. No. So I I just lock my distributor and I set it at a at a pretty safe timing because you need you need the uh you know, you need the timing for the high RPM, but we're we're in a pretty narrow window there. So, you know, uh just lock the distributor and put it at a safe timing and and I don't adjust my timing at all. I just let it go. Now, back on the fuel side, how many circuits are you running? Are you set up kind of like the methanol guys where there's an idle and then two power circuits? I'm, I'm only running a dual, like a dual stage system. Okay. And, and uh, that's, that's kind of what I said when we started. It's when I was having all the problem trying to get this thing to work. I said, well, everybody you talk to says, oh, you got to have a three-stage system. It'll never work with two stages. Well, um, Kinsler, Earl at Kinsler's, him and I worked back and forth and he said, well, he has alcohol guys running just a two stage system and they burn more fuel than me. So there's no reason why a two stage system won't work for gasoline. And, uh, it does work fine. Now there is a transition. It always pops when it takes off and you can just hear every time, which is yeah, every time. But, and, and that's where I had a lot of difficulty. I had to get the RPM over that transition. And that's why the first, uh, half season I was having issues. I couldn't get it revved up enough to take off over that transition. And if it had any load on it, 
when it when it did that transition, it would detonate and it would it would quit. So once I got the RPM, I just have to leave the line. You know, you got to leave the line at five thousand RPM or more, or it ain't leaving. Yeah, It'll just backfire and and it just it's done, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I've I've announced for you quite quite a few times. Of course, you see me probably more than you want to, but you know, you can always hear that, and it's always there. And I never understood why, you know, you, the tractor wouldn't go till you heard that pop, and it's almost yeah. like the motor was, you know, it it had to just clear its system, then take off. Now I know it's getting into that power stage where you're past the idle circuit now. And once you hit that, your RPM game came up quick, and then you leave line. And it's that way every time you leave. There's, It sounds almost like a cold pop on an alcohol engine. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. It's just the, the transition, when it, when it hits that second stage, it's almost like it, it runs lean just for that split second, and it gives that one pop when it, it just dumps that extra fuel in. It gives that one pop, and it's good to go. Are you injecting yeah. in terms of physical location for the injectors and that, you know, if, if you're, if you're giving away the farm here, feel free not to answer, but are you in the intake manifold itself or are you doing anything inside the head itself? No, it's basically in the intake runners. Um, there's not a lot of room in there, but yeah, you, I want to get them as close basically to the valve as you can, That's but there's a not a lot of room in there to, uh, to get them in there. That's the problem. Um, but yeah, they're just in the intake runners. Now, since you've done a lot of this and built your own systems, you have a, obviously a very, very good mind for it and, and think a lot about it. Have you ever envisioned a day when they would allow EFI and what that might mean or would look like for a tractor set up the way yours is? Well, yeah, I, I've, I've thought about that and I, I've said that, you know, man, if, if they allowed that, it would just make everything so much easier. But it's one of those things, would it work when you actually put it in that, you know, hands-on environment? I'm not sure. I'm sure it would be in, you know, everything's computerized. It would probably run sweet if you could, if you could run it. Um, they're talking about allowing that. I don't know. You, you see guys talking about it on pull-off all the time and stuff and, I don't know whether whether they'll ever allow that or not. That's going to be a big advantage if they do, because I mean, you put an oxygen sensor in the in the exhaust pipe, and it is going to adjust, you know, your fuel mixture perfectly. So it would really, really make a lot of horsepower. I think if they actually allowed it to happen. Do you think a system like that would would stay? Uh, it'd be a port setup, or could you ever see, a, you know, for all intents and purposes, the, the gas direct injection, a common rail style with a spark plug? Well, again, I say um, you would almost have to go to a common rail or a multi-port injection to make it work really well, because otherwise you're back almost to my blow-through carburetor system. You're just dumping the fuel in like a throttle body, and you're allowing it to go to wherever it needs. And in a perfect environment, I mean, if you if you built this engine and have every intake runner perfect and everything perfect, it would work. But it's not going to work well unless you have a multi-port injection. Gotcha. Just for the simple reason, like I said, that blow-through carburetor, you're, you're dumping it all 
you know, in the middle and even diesel guys, like I, I help with a lot of diesel guys and we go to the dyno and that we have to inject water, more water into certain cylinders to keep them cool because there's not an even flow of air to every cylinder. No. And all that's going into them is just air. But when you're running gasoline or alcohol, it doesn't matter, through the intake system, if you're not getting the same amount of air to each cylinder, you're not getting the same amount of fuel to each cylinder. So you would have to have a multi-port system to make it work, you know, perfectly. For that multi-port system, how much of it would be, you know, you, you mentioned the O2 sensor. Would you want it to be a single or would you want to be in each individual port? And would you also want a feedback loop maybe that would consider EGTs? Um. Yeah, if you if you really got fancy, you could go with EGTs, and it would you know it would uh, look after it all. But you would definitely, I think, you could do fine with one injector in each cylinder. Um, if your electronic fuel injection, you'd be able to easily get enough fuel through one injector in each cylinder. Do you think you'd still need to run the water injection with it? If if that yeah. is you know hypothetically, if that was if you could have that set up. And and water injection in each cylinder is definitely um, really nice because you can you can tether every cylinder individually. The downfall of that is if you have a nozzle plug, you're starving one cylinder. Yeah. So it's nice to have your water going in, you know, kind of equalizing all the cylinders. So if you have a nozzle plug, it's going to make all the cylinders a little warmer but not starve one cylinder. I see what you're saying. I follow you. Okay, yep. that makes sense. I follow you. That's that's the downfall of, you know, you can you can make it perfect with just one nozzle in each cylinder, but if you have one nozzle plug, you're going to take a piston out just instantly. Yeah. Where if you're if you're injecting the water, you know, as close to the turbocharger as you can and then just maybe you know, feathering a couple cylinders that are a little too hot with a little extra water, you're a lot safer that way. I got you. That makes sense. I follow you. Okay. Perfect. Drew's head spinning right now. I need more beer. All <laughs> 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 I'm thinking is how big a bottle of Pendleton I'm going to owe Oh, oh uh, Dougie here for this interview. <laughs> no, this is, you know, this is what we want to get into with hookers and blow. And for those listeners who have not listened before, yeah, this is what you're going to get. A lot of it's going to be over your head, but there's going to be people listening. Hopefully that are listening. All right. Probably not listening, but that would actually comprehend a lot of this stuff. But you know, this is, this is what we want to look at is where the future of the sport is and what, you know, yeah, we're talking the race gas right now, but Doug, you campaign a diesel tractor also in the same class, you know, so it's not that you're ignorant to one side or the other, you know, of course, straight voltage has always seemed to come out on top of the cow, but the cow is always not far behind, you know, where you're at with straight voltage. Yeah, and it's, you know, you look at the two, and and uh, I really like the, uh, you know, my stray voltage tractor, and, and I mean, the way it pulls and the horsepower is just incredible, but, you know, if you actually watch the two tractors, that black smoke is a lot of mental horsepower. You, you, you see them come out of the line, and you see that black smoke fly in the air, and it's like, 
oh, that thing's just going to, you know, walk all over the stray voltage tracker. But it doesn't. It's just that black smoke is, is mental horsepower. It, it is cool. Um, yeah, because honestly, the, week in, week out, it's 10 foot behind stray voltage every consistency consistently whether it's dakota or whether it's jesse in the seat or even you in the seat it's 10 feet behind no matter what yep yeah well there's a there's a lot of power in gasoline and and you know gasoline is is a lot like alcohol you know they uh they they split the classes between diesel and alcohol because the diesel guys just can't run with alcohol right and gasoline is kind of in the middle there. And, you know, there was a, there was a mini Moline in Bowling Green, Ohio, probably, I want to say 20 years ago. I can't remember the guy's name, but he got grandfathered in running gasoline. And I think it was a pro stock track. It was John Cespedes in uh, Fool's Gold down in Ohio. Yep. It still runs it. It still runs, yeah. Yeah. And he was grandfathered in for that simple reason that, you know, it, that thing was just, gasoline if you can make it work it's pretty finicky but if you can make it work there's a lot of power in gasoline now i guess of course everybody can relate to this and if we're getting into too many nitty-gritty details let us know doug you know we're not gonna we can always edit out but okay everybody of course knows diesel you have a cetane rating that's what you're gonna get alcohol you got one rating that's what you're gonna get now everybody can pull up to the gas pump anywhere anywhere you want to go and there's normally at least two to three grades for sale. But whether or not they realize it's different octane is a different story. Where are you at for octane? What do you run? 110? Are you looking at C16? I mean, where are you at as far as octane rating to keep that thing to try to keep from blowing itself to pieces, detonating too early? I run 116 octane race fuel. I used to run uh, 112. I've tried it all, 112, 114. But, yeah, um, I have to have 116 to to make it run. I, I kind of guess that when you're adding water in the mix to keep it from detonating, that you have to be, oh, beer, up there with the octane rating to keep keep the thing together more or less. You know, of course, one yeah. one raw hot spot in a cylinder could spell death, you know. Yeah, and I and I tried. I had uh, a fuel company want me to run their. Uh, they make it like a 116 now. It's an unleaded uh, race fuel because they're really trying to push. You know, no lead anymore. Uh, Tree huggers, gotcha. Yeah, we're really really hard to get leaded race fuel anymore. So I thought, you know what? I'm I'm going to try it. They they give me a bunch of fuel. Said here. You know, let's let's see if we can make this thing run. I'm not saying it won't work if if we took it to the dyno and spent enough time trying to dial it in, but it just I I tried it and uh, you know it didn't make 150 feet down the track and it was it just it was almost like there was just nothing there. And all I did was bring it back to the truck and and drained it out and put the 116 leaded in and you know i was 330 feet put 20 feet on the on the next guy and didn't change nothing just the fuel 
you know, I know you look at the environmental and all that happy horse shit. As far as leaded as compared to unleaded fuels, one leaded fuel smells a lot better, and maybe that's just because it's depleting my brain cells. But two, you know, it's easier on the engine on it. Your your valve seats are going to live better, and and you can build horsepower with leaded fuel. Yeah, yeah, it just it it's night and day difference. What have you found in terms of of the maintenance schedule, and maintenance routine, running gasoline? Um. It actually it burns pretty clean and pretty decent. Like um, I only change my oil. Like I, I usually put ten runs on on the oil, but it's actually a lot a lot cleaner and a lot nicer coming out than what the the diesel tractor is. It it's it doesn't seem to uh, carbon up near as much as the the diesel tractor. It runs pretty clean. Why do I have a feeling you're burning uh, oil that may come from slightly west of me here on uh, uh, a certain other IH uh, builder's uh, place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on he, last week. He he hasn't signed the con- he ha- he hasn't given us a check yet, so we can't specifically uh, prompt that brand yet. But you know, <laughs> okay. I- I'm trying to hint at a certain guy with the last name of Shoebridge to maybe. Uh, help us out a little bit with some sponsorship and uh, maybe we can promote his yeah. product a little better. But. And then you could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they advertise a lot in the Polar Magazine and stuff, and it's a pretty good quality oil. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about that. And if he yeah. does it, I might even let him burn my Pennzoil shirt that I showed up to the interview wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt you listened to the show last week, and I think about four people did, but... Uh, we did uh, a whole segment on different quality oils, and the dipshit sitting to my left decided to wear his Pennzoil shirt to the interview for that brand of oil that uh, Silver Bullet and a lot of other big names have been running for many years that, of course, now Doug runs. So He was on top of the pile, in my defense. <laughs> That's my fashion. That's how I make my fashion decisions every day. Plain and simple, Doug. Smart like dump truck. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, we do, we've known Doug for quite some time, Charles, haven't yeah. we? And we've Handful we've gone to Gordyville and we've drank the Armada pits together. There's lots of stories that that will never hit the air because, well, let's face it, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to laugh hilariously, find Doug at a pull sometime and ask him to tell you the horse trailer story. You will die. <laughs> Horse trailer or the TA story. The TA yeah. story is one of my favorites, too. But one thing yeah. we've never gotten to talk with you about, Doug, of course, you growing, you know, living across the river from us, more or less, you know, you're you're two hours from us. You're really not that far out of the way, so to speak. But one thing that's never come up in our conversations, out drinking or whatever, who are your heroes and legends in the sport? Who have really driven your passion for getting involved in this and who have you looked up to? Well, you know, there, there's, there's so many pullers out there that do an amazing job and stuff, but you know, um, I've all, I've always liked Edson Lane's tractors and, you know, they call him the King of smoke or whatever. And he's just, he just seems like forever. He's always been there. And, uh, you know, I really like when, uh, when Larry Roberts came out with all his tractors, um, 
the big toy and that I got a, I got a toy of it downstairs and, and, uh, I really look forward to watching him pull. Kind of some newer names there. Of course, Edson Lane's always, uh, always one that's top of everybody's list. I know Charles, that's, if we ever get to interview him, I think that's... I will be doing all the talking as you sit there. Probably just drooling all over our very, very expensive soundboard. <laughs> Could happen. Well, you know, he just he just has pulled for so many years, and he's just always on top. And it's just you know, I've always, I've said for for years and years, it's you know, it, it's easy to win number one, but it's really hard to stay number one. Yeah. And you're you're the first person right there to know it. You've been on top of the heap and light limited pro stock for many years and you know firsthand what it takes to stay on top of that point you know yeah it's easy to drop money in and get away with that first year but the second year everybody's heard of the sophomore blues and what it takes to maintain it but they don't realize everybody and you know if you don't win now everybody's like what's wrong why aren't you winning yeah you're just a flash of the pan you're nobody again yeah, yeah, it's really funny that way, you know. It's like it's almost a lot easier to be second than it is number one because it's like as soon as you don't win one, it's like, well, what's wrong? Why didn't you win? <laughs> <laughs> now, Doug, you've got an event coming up here that, for some reason, you guys hired an alcoholic back to come and announce. But why don't you talk a little bit about it? Pull right up, you know, just down the road from you guys, but. Definitely hits home. I know there's a lot of meeting behind that poll. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Dungannon Super Bowl? Well, like I was telling you earlier, you know, the kind of the reason I started tractor pulling is because uh, my buddy was pulling a 666 when he was uh, killed. And we, he, his dream was to start a tractor pull in Dungannon. And when he passed away, we finally convinced the fair board to, to let us have a poll in Dungannon in his memory of him. And uh, that's why I run the 666 that I am, because, you know, it's in memory of him. He's got me into tractor pulling. And we, a few of our friends got together, and we, we started this poll in Dungannon, and it just took off. And, yeah, it, it's been excellent. This is 19 years this year. And, uh, yeah, it's going strong. It's probably one of the biggest ones in Ontario. Um, the town only has about 200 people in it, and we bring 5,000 people the day of the, of the tractor pull. And, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, about five years ago, I had a vision that, you know, the only complaint we've ever had at the tractor pull is that it starts at 4 in the afternoon and it goes till midnight, and the kids can't stay in the seats that long. The parents have to take them home, and they don't get to see the big iron at the end. And I said, well, we don't want to cut any of the show out, and the only way to fix that is to build two tracks. So about five years ago, we put the second track in, so now we pull one track beside the other, and we have two or two associations in Ontario here. We have the... Uh, uh, Ontario Tractor Pullers Association, and we have the Southwestern Ontario Tractor Pullers Association, and we bring every class of truck and tractors that both associations have 
pull in Dungannon. We bring everything. If memory serves and, me correct, for people who want to know, it's literally only an hour and a half, two hours north of the border. But we had 26 classes in action last year between two tracks. And holy shit, did we ever turn hooks. I mean, we were yep. done. It was still daylight out. And we started at 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. And it went, you know, we were done by... Eight thirty, nine o'clock. I mean, we were turning hooks, and it wasn't that there was a lack of iron. No, God, no. There was plenty no, of we, iron to be had. It's just these guys know how to turn hooks. Yeah, we're to our pit area. We keep expanding every year, and last year we were parking them in the driveway because we didn't have enough room in our pit still. And uh, yeah, we figured it out last year that uh, there was something that went down the track every minute and fifty seconds, under two minutes. There was something going down the track every less than two minutes. That's moving. <laughs> That's moving. Very impressive. Good good efficiency there. And yeah. now, Doug, please forgive me if I get it wrong. Mike Pentland, I believe, is your buddy who passed? Yes. And, of course, probably something that hits me every time. You know, we talk about over and over the pulling family we have. And, of course, Doug, you, you your wife, Jody. You know, all you guys from up that way, whether it's, you know, oh, the Hardy family or, you know, all you guys that come down, we're we're, we're a tight-knit group. We always sit around, joke around. But what hits me the most is Mike's been gone for many years now, of course, 19, 20 years now. But his son Jesse stayed with you guys for how long with the pulling and now is in the seat of Holy Cow and out there competing. Yep. And is actually yep, one hell of a fucking driver. Yeah. He, uh, that's kind of why, you know, I'm, I'm pulling the 666 international. And if you read the side of my tractor, uh, I have it painted right on the side, pulling in memory of Mike Petwin. And yeah, about, uh, four years ago, I was able to buy another, 666 and when mike passed away it was a diesel tractor that he was driving and uh yeah we put a bunch of it together and now mike's son jesse and my son they take turns driving it and uh yeah he's having a lot of fun jesse and dakota both doing great in the seat of the cow if i remember right dakota's what light class jesse's heavy right now uh, we actually, we put Jesse, we, we learned Jesse to drive kind of the same way we were learning Dakota to drive. Uh, one of us used to drive the tractor in the light class and then we That's let Jesse right. drive it in the heavy class so we could keep the front end a little heavy to get them used to it. So now last year we did the same thing. Jesse was a good enough driver that he drove it in the light class and my son drove it in the uh, heavy class when we could you know, weight the front end, keep it down a little bit. So he got used to it. And yeah, at the end of the year, he was driving, uh, they were taking turns driving the light class. It's a, you know, kids, they think it's a little more fun when it's a little lighter. <laughs> I, I'm just jealous. Cause all I can do is sit on the sidelines of the microphone and watch you guys go down the track. But no, I mean, it, it, it's a great thing. You guys definitely have a great family that comes to the pole with you guys whether it's the adams family or the hardys you guys roll in we know where the party's going to be when we're done with any pull you know is you go you go find the rust in camp with you know whether it's holy cow stray voltage or that 
you know, John Deere tractor that for some reason keeps ending up in the trailer. I don't get it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's always a good time. And, you know, we, we talk about this with a lot of pullers, you know, you see these guys out here, you're out walking the pits. Of course, our mate is the only time we get to see you, but if you see him out there, stop by, talk to Doug. He's not that intimidating. Trust me. Yeah, anytime. So, Doug, thanks for coming on the show with us this afternoon. And uh, I owe you a hell of a bottle of rye. And for anybody stateside wondering what that is, don't worry. You got to cross the border to fully understand what that is. <laughs> so, yeah, with, No, we'll be looking forward to it. So, Dungannon, of course, coming up here in, what, two, three weeks? I mean, we're getting down to crunch time. Yep, it's, uh, I think, about three weeks. Yeah, it's always Father's uh, Day weekend. Father's Day Day weekend, always, yep. It's always my favorite Father's Day trip, not going to lie, because my wife goes, what are you going to do for Father's Day? Well, last year's my first trip to Dungannon. Now I know where I'm going for Father's Day for the rest (laughs) of my life. I'm going to Dungannon. So with that, we're going to take a break. Doug, stay on the line with us for a minute. This is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. Polar Air Compressor since 1977 is your factory direct source for quiet industrial piston compressors from 3 to 25 horsepower, rotary screw compressors from 5 to 400 horsepower, refrigerated air dryers, and a full line of parts and service. Find Polar Air at EatonCompressor.com or call toll-free at 877-283-7614. That's 877-283-7614. Also, make sure to check us out on Facebook. And we're back with Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network, powered by Dirty Hooker Diesel. And your friends up at Diesel Freak all year long. If you've got a diesel truck you need tuned, over-the-road semis, off-road semis, they're your people to go to. So make sure you check out Wade Alone and the team up at Diesel Freak for all your semi-truck needs. On the line with us now, we got desperate for an interview. I, I have to say that, Charles, right off the get, you know. He's only been bugging me since last year at Richland Center to call him up, and, well, I think it's about time we gave him his due. Uh, we got Mr. Rick Pildner, pilot of the City Slicker National Legend Series uh, puller online with us. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing good, Andrew, and yourself? Oh, drinking beer and having fun, as always, and trying to get Charles to do something. He's sitting here po- punching his phone. I don't know if he's playing Candy Crush or what, but... Well, Some... you know, everybody's got to have a hobby. That's it. <laughs> so, first off, let's talk a little bit about the Legend Series and that, and what what's going on without you guys and that, and how it came about. Well, I'll tell you what. Really, you've got to give a lot of credit to uh, Mike Ott and uh, some of the other guys, Kevin Dick. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, there's just a lot of guys involved in that, and uh, they really kind of pushed it. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess the City Slickers started going to uh, – Bowling Green, I'd say probably in 10 or 11. Um, Mike and uh, Jerry Kelby um, came and picked it up uh, the first time it went over there, and Lee had got it out. It was in the transport at the time, been sitting in there for years. I had a tire that wouldn't keep airing it and got it aired up and cleaned up a little bit, sent it up there, and that kind of started things rolling with us as far as getting involved in it. you know, Lee got with me, and, and I worked back on it back in the day. And, uh, you know, the next year we kind of went a little further with it. Uh, Mike and Jerry got it back up there. 
kind of says, hey, we, you know, they're kind of like to see this thing get running, and it had been sitting for a long time, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I, I'll, uh, I'll help you get it running, but I want to drive again. So that was kind of my, uh, kind of hooked me into it again. Uh, so that's kind of where we went with that. And, and of course, the legends are, have really come a long way. Uh, they've gone from just a bunch of guys kind of wanting to see something happen to uh, an actual organization, uh, you know, officers. Uh, uh, we've got people kind of promoting it. it, it it's, it's just going a lot, it's going a lot further. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, uh, a lot of effort going into it. I, uh, I can't uh, say enough about the people that have really pushed the project, you know. No, absolutely. A lot of work being done. Now you guys have your own little uh, travel schedule going around, mainly focusing in Ohio, but I know you guys have been up to Wisconsin. That's where I got to meet you. And, uh, of course, I know you guys, I believe, made it down to the Hansel Sullivan Pole this year, or some of the group did. Uh, don't know if they made it in before the rain out on uh, Friday. And I know Saturday nobody went down the track. Well, we got we got to make a hook. Uh, Friday night, uh, it did, it, it was between rain and, and, uh, scraping mud and disking and filling and all that, but we didn't manage to get a, a hook and we wish the weather would have been better for them, but it, it was, uh, it was enjoyable. It would have been nice to stay the next day, but there was no way that was going to happen with the rain. No, that's been everybody's battle so far. I know I've seen, uh, a lot of pontoon boats up for sale with, uh, 12 year old John Deere planters behind them for uh, getting the crops in up here right now, you know, yeah, trying to get every every ounce in they can. Yeah, we saw somebody, uh, I can't remember if it was Illinois or Indiana, but somebody was uh, water skiing in their field getting towed by a four-wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you just look around and you can find it. So. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the City Slicker Tractor. Tractor's been around since, what, the middle 70s? You got it. Um, I'll tell you, uh, it's it's uh, it, it, for those that haven't ever seen it, it it's quite a piece of work. Uh, you know, Lee kind of outdid himself, and and uh, you know, I always tease him about you know what what kind of mind could come up with that thing. And, and of course, I always kid him. It probably started out on a bar napkin. Like anyone can even <laughs> know that. A lot of good ideas do. I built a lot of equipment off of bar napkins, but uh, I'll tell you that it. it just the way he fitted in there, we've got some older pictures of it, uh, with it kind of being mocked up, you know, and uh, motor tipped on its side, and a rear axle with two tires on it, and, uh, and a chair in front of it, uh, you know, to kind of mock up the driver's seat. Uh, it, to me, it's just it's a it's a remarkable piece of work, of you know how they put that thing together. Absolutely, it's not like any other puller you see out there. And I know Charles, you, you've have you seen it in person yet? I have not seen it in person. Well, I've yet. been in the seat, so I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping to see it in Monroe, Michigan this year. Yeah, they will be there, but uh, you know, different piece. You know, completely. Of course, a power plant that was very popular and still one of my favorites, the 1710 Allison. You know, between the frame, I'm used to seeing, you no, know, it's set transverse in the frame with a chain drive to the rear end and both tires actually tied together that way, narrow set inside the frame rails. What what was the madness and thought process that went into doing it that way? You know, I, I, I guess you'd really have to talk to Lee to get the whole feel for that. I mean, it was the way that they could get it together. And, you know, Lee is always thinking about that little bit of extra. And, you know, the team's motto is stuck in no one's rut. And that's because the, the tires are tucked in narrow. 
you know, everybody else would be out running wider. So one of the things he was looking at is is being able to get into even if everybody's trying to run down the same same groove, you know, we could straddle it a little bit, maybe one side to the other, and and uh, still be in, in in good dirt. So that was kind of one of them. Uh, just the way it all fit together, it, it just to make it look like what he wanted it to look like. That's that's how it came out. There are some other advantages. I don't know if they were totally designed in, but. Uh, you know, they, they, they seem to work out for that tractor, and that's with the rotation of the crankshaft, you know, you're kind of, you got rotary motion, you got torque, and instead of being side to side, it actually is kind of coming forward, uh, you know, as, as you're trying to take off. So, uh, you know, that's part of it. Uh, it you know, and, and one of the other ingenious things he did was uh, the weight transfer in that thing is, is, is totally unbelievable. In front of the motor and under the driver, there's rails underneath there. We can transfer 600 pounds from underneath the driver's rear end up to the nose of the tractor while we're in motion. And, of course, if you look in the NTPA rule book now, um, there is a rule that says you can't do that anymore. With a city slicker asterisk next to it, right? We're trying to outlaw us on that. Uh, there was a lot of controversy over it, and uh, it was one of those things where there was no rule in the book saying you couldn't do it. So they couldn't really stop us, and then of course once we got out of it, then then they came in and they uh, we were pretty much grandfathered in. But then they came in and and there is a, a rule in the, the the rule book today that you can't do that. That has the city slicker name sitting right next to it. Now, Larry Richwine always says he goes, I can open up that rule book any day, and he goes, every rule in that book, he goes, I can tell you the name and the tractor that is tied to it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, it just, it, and, it, and, it, and I guess that's one of the things that's kind of a shame, uh, you know, instead of people celebrating it, it, ingenuity, and of course we were in competition, you know, and, and it, it's this legend thing, I got to tell you, it, to me, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot better than it was in competition. In competition, um, you know, there was, there were several people that we, we, we got along real well with, and I mean, we got along with everybody. But we were disliked by a lot of people, to be quite honest. Um, when I was driving, I had gotten out of the Air Force, and I swore at that point I'd never let anybody tell me to cut my hair again. And I had a cocktail <laughs> in a farmer-dominated sport in 1978. So, you know, it, in, in a tractor called the City Slicker. So, you know, <laughs> it rubbed some people the wrong way, I think. And, and, and quite frankly, they did very well in the beginning. Um, uh, the first couple of years, uh, the first year, I believe they, uh, actually, uh, had a really good shot at winning the 12,000 unlimited, uh, for points, but, um, it, the last pull, they had to get like a third and they didn't quite, didn't quite make it, but, uh, they did very well and, and they were, you know, new face on the block and, and it, uh. It didn't. It didn't go over real well. It's kind of like a fart in church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, we're actually in the Second Baptist Bar and Grill right now, so I mean, we 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 don't have any issues with that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, the tractor is so unique, and, and uh, it's just it's unbelievable the ingenuity that uh, has been put into it. You know, it started out as a normally aspirated supercharged. Well, a supercharged Allison and and then that wasn't enough, and everybody was starting to put on more motors, and so we had to try to keep getting, you know, we were pretty limited as to where we could put more motors on that thing. So 
we had to just get everything we could out of that one. And uh, so then it went to, you know, from uh, supercharged to uh, uh, turbos, twin turbos, and then we went to three turbos. And, you know, it was a total learning curve for us. Uh, we started using some of the stuff that the boat racers were using, you know, the hillborn injection and the, and the, the turbos and uh, the uh, Unilite ignition and, and all that stuff. So we were constantly trying to step up and, you know, get more horsepower out of it. But the other thing that kind of killed us was, you know, we're running sprockets. And, and the, the problem is, is we could only get, you know, so many miles per hour wheel speed because, you know, with the chain, uh, we had limitations on how big a sprocket we could run on the front. So that kind of limited our wheel speed. And when, when people started really spinning their tires fast, that's, that's when we started having, uh, you know, we were, weren't, weren't quite as competitive, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to remember, is there even an auxiliary speed transmission on that? Or is it right from the, what is it? A seven disc wet clutch in the back? It's like an eight disc, uh, wet clutch. That was the other thing. And, and, and uh, we used to, uh, we, we've since kind of updated that clutch. It, it was a wet clutch. Uh, and, uh, it's all custom built, you know, and that was one of our other issues is everything we had on that tractor. And a lot of the people back in the day, you know, you didn't just go over and go to Summit or uh, S, uh, SCS or whatever the gearbox manufacturer is. You know, you, you made stuff, you know. So if you broke it, you, you know, you had, to, you had to make another one. So uh, we did a lot of that. But uh, that clutch, um, it was, was designed by Lee, and uh, it's a wet clutch. It uh, takes a tremendous amount of abuse especially with the uh with the turbos the superchargers it wasn't so bad because as soon as you start opening butterflies on a supercharger you know you're making horsepower but with turbos you got to spool them up and to spool them up you got to load your motor so that clutch had to take a lot of abuse and uh, we've since updated the discs in it um to a little bit better style and, and quite frankly it's held up a lot better than it did in the, in the day Back then, if we made probably six passes on a clutch pack, we were we were really lucky. We had to be pulling it apart and, and putting another pack of clutches in it because it would just it would just burn them up. Rick, I'm curious about the the turbocharger setup. Being a with the three chargers on it, how which cylinders are feeding which charger, or is any of it sequential? Well, what we've got is we've got uh, the uh, first four on the on the uh, left bank is running one. The first four on the right bank, and then Two on each end uh, on the right and the left bank are, are running the third one. So you're running four cylinders, but they're not, they're not, I don't know if you could call them, you know, sequential, but, but there's four cylinders going to each turbo. Gotcha. I was curious about that, you know, if you're having to split banks on a charger and, and whatnot, having not seen it. So, yeah, that explains that. Well, it actually helped a lot. I mean, you know, you got to get more air into it. And, and, and quite frankly, we were at one point, uh, we were getting more boost than we really we could really put fuel to it. Our, our uh, Hillborn system back then the pumps were a little bit limited, and uh, it, I mean I shouldn't say limited, but what we were the kind of boost we were trying to put into that motor, um, we weren't getting enough fuel in it, and we were leaning out and so forth. So we burned a few pistons in that thing, and and uh, so <laughs> once you burn one in there, and that's that's a that's a real real problem. Have you gone to aftermarket on pistons with it? Are you doing the, the Cummins swap the pistons with it? Well, actually, I'll tell you what. That motor is pretty much a hybrid. Um, 
We had an issue with the uh, with the coolant problem, and uh, it, uh, it it kind of sidelined me for a year. Uh, so we were going to try to run. Uh, some of the guys are running dry sleeves and uh, air cooled. Uh, I know uh, uh, Steve Bollinger is, and there's another guy I talked to that they're running. They're running dry sleeves and and uh, no coolant in the heads, but they're running uh, supercharged. We were looking. We still wanted to run turbos, and so we ended up leading started uh, dry sleeves years ago and, and specialized heads. So we were trying to transition into that, and uh, I was trying to get away from cooling in the motor. <laughs> was my big thing. So uh, we experimented with uh, dry heads, uh, cooling with, uh, we actually tried uh, forced air through the heads and, and uh, CO2 to try to cool it. It just didn't work out, so we had to come up with a way that we could water cool the heads and uh, Allison cylinder walls are really thin, and they're 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 they distort very easily. Uh, they're not they don't really seal up very well. They're made for aircraft. They're, yeah, they're made to be light, and... and so they're not real they're not real beefy like a diesel cylinder with a cast sleeve or whatever you know. So uh, Lee built these uh, these uh, cast sleeves, and and uh, we went to the water cooled head. We're getting a lot better sealing on it. Uh, the pistons um, back in the day, even back. Back then, uh, back when we were running the, on the circuit, we were actually converting the engines over to, uh, we put Clevite main bearings in them. Um, we'd make our own thrust bearings for it. Uh, we actually went through, and uh, back then you couldn't buy um, uh, aftermarket pistons. All we could get was stock. So we went through and we uh, uh, cut them, lightened them, uh, modified the honeycomb in them, and made them as light as possible. We made our own wrist pins. Uh, we were running uh, uh, stronger uh, uh, rod bolts. They were, I think, the SPS rod bolts. I mean, we really did a lot of work back in the back in the day. I mean, there's guys that are doing more now. They're able to get the forged pistons from Aries, and, uh, and they're bumping up their compression ratio. We're still down at the, I think, at six 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 point six to one compression ratio as far as stock, but. Uh, there again, we made uh, you know we we we've modified most everything in there. So our latest struggle's been kind of the ignition. We've been dealing with that. Uh, we've been running magnetos uh, for a while, and and we actually put in our old uh, uh, we put in our, our uh, old Unilite system. We had one from back in the day, and we made a couple passes with it. It really seemed to kind of it, it ran better that electronic ignition but one of the uh, boxes burned out on it and you can't find them anymore for what we used to run so we're stepping we stepped up to an msd8 uh, with a dual coil uh, we sent it to msd to have it switched over to 12 cylinders uh, we had some issues when it came back it didn't want to work uh, we sent it back and they sent it back to us it still didn't seem quite right but this last weekend uh, uh, they warned out that box, sent me another box, and uh, we got her fired up on Sunday. So we, we, were, we were pretty chipper about that. We went to the other thing we did was uh, we used to run a, a Mallory Unilite uh, distributors, which were a little bit different than the stock ones. Uh, they were, they were uh, newer model materials and stuff, but they were still kind of a small cap. Now we're running JAG caps on it. Uh, Austinburg Machine manufactured... Uh, um, uh, new housings to go in uh, where the distributors go. 
and a custom pickup unit that goes on the uh, where the uh, magneto would go. If anybody wants to see them, you can see them on our Facebook site. <laughs> I'm going to get a plug in there. The no, absolutely no. That's our that's the whole thing here is talk about you and get you some uh, traffic across your page because you know you're talking about all these parts you've had to buy lately. There's no big payouts for the Legend Series. There's no, you know, hey, these guys are going home with something. Your guys are doing everything out of pocket. Well, we're eating a lot of this, and, and, and quite frankly, and I've, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken with the guys, and I'm saying, hey, you know, this ain't like, you know, I used to run a little slingshot dragster, and I could put it on the back of my bumper hitch on my truck, and, you know, it, uh, we, we could run down the road, and it was easy to push back in the trailer when it was broke. But uh, when you start hauling that iron down the road, uh, you know everything's got to be heavy, and everything's expensive. So uh, you know we're trying to we're trying to get we're trying to get the promoters involved with it. Um, I think you know you've seen the show. Uh, I think the guys are we're all trying to do a good show. We're trying to run a fast show, um, but we're trying to show something that's different. Uh, you know, I, I mean I can admire uh, the competition, and and I and in some ways I kind of miss it. Uh, it's just a little different incentive, but you can walk away with it. You know, you can kind of have bragging rights. Um, we're not in competition. We're there to show off our, you know, the, the older vehicles and where the, where the uh, beginning of this came from and, and, and how the technology has evolved with it. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of nice to do that. But there again, you know, like you said, we're making all these parts. Uh, you know, we're working crazy times, working crazy hours. Uh to get them out there. So we're hoping to eventually build it into something that, you know, all of us know we're not going to get rich, uh, but it'd be nice to pay our motel bills and and our gas, our fuel to get down the road, you know? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to find out the hard way ourselves. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I think we're kind of working towards that and, and hopefully we can get the promoters to look at it and say, well, you know, uh, this is a, a quick show that we can put in and really grab people's attention, you know, and people can look at it and, and see the difference in it and say, wow, you know, that's really cool. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been to, I've been to polls where, and, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm putting anybody down because I can only have admiration for the people that are doing the competition because I know exactly what it takes to do it and to, to stay there and to get competitive. But, you know, you see so many tractors go down the track that are all exactly the same. Or I shouldn't say that. That's that's not the way to put it. But they they look very similar, and to like the, the diehard tractor pullers, they know the difference. But to the people that you're bringing in that maybe are not totally familiar with everything, they kind of see the same thing again and again and again. And uh, uh, I certainly wouldn't take anything away from the people that are competing because uh, I I know <laughs> I know the cost of that. You know, it's just it's uh, it's. Uh, Cubic money and heartbreak usually. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 but I, I, I see this as a different aspect to it. Uh, probably a little more entertainment than than uh, competition. You know. No, you guys are just just out there having fun. I saw what was it? You, Joel, Mike, and uh, that Kevin guy. You know that. Yeah, that Kevin guy. Died. You know, oh. but I uh, saw you guys up in Richmond Center. I unfortunately didn't get to see the bulk of this. You know, which we saw everybody got to see most of the legends out running in Bowling Green last year for the 50th. I did not get to stick around and say, see all that just because, well, we had a announcing job I had to get to. But, uh, 
you know, I got a chance to actually see him run, and it is a great show you guys put on the debut. You know, bringing back the vintage pullers that you know fathers, grandfathers, you know, can go to their grandkids and kids and go, hey, this is what I grew up watching. And, uh, you know, it's not the, like you said, and point blank, it's really gotten to be that way. The cookie cutter looking modified tractors and the super far, you know, or super stocks or pro stocks, all them, they, they really are starting to blend. There's not a lot of individuality to the tractors that you saw back in the day because yes, now there's, you know, these components, they can go off the shelf. You can go to Hypermax, you can go to SES, you can go to ProFab, you can go to Angler Chassis, you can, you know, you can go to all these different people and basically build a tractor out of a catalog. The tractors that are being shown in the Legend series, no, you had to fabricate your way in. You had to actually put the time and effort to figure everything out because it hadn't been done before. Well, there was nobody to buy it from you. That was the thing, and, and uh, um. You know, we we, uh, we we always try to get that next step. You know, you're always looking for that other 10 horsepower. And, you know, that's, and, and frankly, today, in today's, in the competition, they have these guys pinned down so hard, it's hard to find. You know, these guys are looking for three more horsepower. You know, you can only have a turbo that's so big. Uh, you know, you can only have a pump that'll pump this much. You can only have this. You can only have that. And, you know, and it does, uh, it, it does make it hard to, to uh, you know, go out and, and find some magic thing that works you know it, it just uh, it, it just makes it difficult they got them ruled down so hard you know it's kind of like the old days in the drag racing you know, I, I bracket race for a while and i just every week i'd go and i'd put something else on my car and i'd go faster and and, and i'd lose because i went faster i'd go the fastest i ever ran and i'd lose the race you know i was like man this doesn't make sense you know it ain't like the old days when you run what you brung yeah it was whoever got across the line first you know so uh yeah, it, 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 it's a whole different ballgame right now. And, uh, and of course, back then it was hard to get sponsors. If there's any sponsors out there listening, uh, you can get a hold of me at uh, City Sl- the City Slicker Face- City Slicker Pulling Tractor Facebook page. Uh, and if there's one on the tour that everybody wants to see, that's probably the one. So yeah, you'd be that's hooking up with a good guy. Piece. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, of course, go on their Facebook page. Not only can you help them out, which please do help them out because – I know Jean's getting tired of having her uh, her uh, at rainy day fun going into this tractor. I'm sure she's been hitting Rick going, are you sure? Sure you really want to be doing this? But You know, I, I, I wish I could agree with you, but, you know, she's right there with me. Uh, she's right there working on it. You know, she's helping me pull the ramps down, put, loading the tractor. You know, she puts up with me. I'll tell you what, you know, and I told you I got burned a while back. Yep. And uh, she got me through all that, uh, so... Oh, I you, you don't have to justify to me that she's a saint. I mean, I've met you, and I, I know she has to be to put up with you. Yeah, well, you're right about that. <laughs> no, and we had a great time, you know, up in Richland Center, get to talk and get to know the guys from the tour. And, you know, you were the first person I met from the tour who was drunk coming up after we spent the night at Jason Schultz's house <laughs> and pull up to the hotel, and there's a city slicker there, and got talking about it, you know, and that's that's where all this is spurred. But, yeah, make sure you go on Facebook, City Slicker Pulling Tractor on Facebook. Go like and follow their page, you know, see what's going on. They got lots of cool videos and photos up, and they keep you updated on stuff. We'll be sharing them, of course, on the Sidetrack page. And uh, if, if you got a few extra dollars, throw it to these guys. They need it. You know, if you enjoy what you're seeing, you know, remember, these guys are just coming out just to put on a show. There's no 
coat or plaque at the end of the season. No, this is just something they're doing to preserve the sport of pulling that we all love so much. So, uh, oh, I, I like money. Well, you know, you know, we actually do get a plaque and a coat at the end of the summer. The only thing is, is we got to buy it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I've got several of them. I mean, I I didn't know I won the fifty-seven oh eight points championship, but. <laughs> Make up your own class. I want it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're hoping to get some uh, merchandising out. We, I don't know. It was probably four years ago. We actually had, uh, you know, a bunch of T-shirts printed up, and they were they were pretty neat. And uh, we're probably uh, going to try to get some of that out, um, at least at the polls. You know, like I said, just to help cover some uh, cover some expenses. Nobody's going to get rich doing this, but uh, you know, every little bit helps, and uh, it, it certainly can't hurt. And thank God my wife doesn't listen to this show because she just recently found out we bought a Legends tractor that we're going to be debuting. And uh, if she <laughs> here's what Rick's going. Yeah, you don't get anything for this. This is just a waste. You know, dump a buddy and do it. Yeah, yeah, that that would end pretty for me. It's it's kind of like a boat, you know. They say that's a big hole in the water, water that you just try to fill up with money. Well, we have a saying on this show that we're smart like a dump truck, and thankfully the tractor we've got, that's all that's going to be on it is a couple dump truck motors. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know what? It, it, it's a lot of work, uh, you know, and, and really, I'll be honest, I, I just, I just, some nights I just don't want to work on it, and uh, but I really love going down the track and, uh, and getting to meet people. We get to meet people, we get to meet older people that, that'll say, well, I remember when this ran, and then I get to meet younger people than me, and they go, I remember seeing this tractor at Bowling Green when I was eight years old or whatever. And then we got young people that see it for the first time, and they go, wow, I've never seen any tractor like that at all. You know? So it, 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 it is, it's got, uh, you know, it's got some rewards, but I will say they're, they're kind of sparse sometimes, but... Uh, I never worked so hard to take a 28-second ride down the track. You know what I mean? But, oh, I, I know that all too well myself. <laughs> as this child's were going, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I get it. That's the way it is. It's just tough. But, uh, you know, you got to love it to do it. And uh, so you just, you know, you just kind of keep pushing on. And you got to be, uh, you got to be thankful if you got people around you that will help you. And, and uh, you know, I'm lucky with my wife helping me. Uh, she, I mean, she's right there with me, like I said, uh, if you, if you don't have that support, it, it makes it really hard. So. Well, Amen to that. Oh, absolutely. So, Rick, how we end every show, who are your heroes and legends in the sport? Who have really got you into the sport of polling? And, uh, you know, who, who did you idolize? Well, it, you know, I, I've, I've always said my father has taught me so much in life about he's one of the best toolmakers. We went into business together. Um, you know, I learned so much from him. It's unbelievable. Uh, Lee Pendleton has got to be right there. I, he's my second father. Uh, he's he's taught me so much. Uh, you know, sometimes he's let me go when they, he knew I was wrong and, and let me make my own mistakes. Uh, he's backed me up uh, all the way. Um, Art Arpons and uh, E.J. Potter, uh, when we were back in the day, like I said, those guys uh, were really, uh, really uh, – helpful and, and, and inspirational because I know the first time I went to art shop, I expected it to be like this clean, uh, you know, just beautiful facility, like a NASCAR garage or something. Well, 
if you ever been to art shop, it's quite a treat. It's not the cleanest, neatest place in the world. And that man built some of the most tremendous pieces of equipment out of there that you could ever build. Uh, I, I've been a tool maker for a good many years, and I went down to help him make a couple things for his land speed car, his last one, number 27. And uh, I tried to run a lathe in there, and, I, you know, I had pretty good equipment, and that lathe was a challenge just to run. And what that man built off of that equipment is just totally unbelievable. Uh, I've been to EJ's shop after EJ passed, but, uh, you know, same thing. Uh, just some people would walk in there and go, what a bunch of junk. And uh, those guys uh, built tremendous pieces of equipment. Uh, I always laugh because people thought, you know, if you talked, I don't, I don't know if you ever met EJ, but. No, I didn't no unfortunately. You probably thought he was the dumbest hayseed in the world, and he was one of the smartest people I ever knew. He just, uh, he just didn't let on, you know. And uh, I watched him do things uh, that, uh, that most people couldn't have done with a, with a CNC shop and, and all the things. And those guys used to build tractors and dragsters. Uh, you know, those two particularly, they, they'd, build, they'd build a tractor or a car in two or three weeks, you know. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it took a year to build something. They were, uh, they were just innovators, and, uh, and I, I, I pulled them up pretty high steam. So. Well, thanks, Rick. We're not going to hold you up any longer. I'm sure you got stuff you want to do. Probably a couple beers you got to get down before you got to go to bed and all that good stuff. I know we got, I'm out of beer, so we're in trouble right now. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go get more beer. So thanks Rick and Gene. Of course, I heard her down there feed him the information. Cause you know, he couldn't remember it. So thank you, Gene, for helping us out with that. And I uh, look forward to seeing you guys soon. Um, uh, thanks for to you know, joining us again. I really, really appreciate it. And like I said, follow the city slicker on Facebook, uh, we'll be posting their page up on the sidetrack page. Uh, we'll link to it. You know, make sure everybody can find it, and we're gonna probably do some work to help these these folks along getting some getting their name out there a little more. So, thank you guys for everything. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Hey, and you know what? I want you to remember one thing. It's not how fast you pull; it's how far you pull fast. That's the truth. So, thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Take care. Bye. Bye. there, ladies and gentlemen. It's always a good time talking to Rick. Let's see why. Well, the first time I actually met Rick, like I said, is up at Richland Center, and we got done after a heavy, heavy, we pulled into the fairgrounds like 4.35 o'clock, and we killed a case and a half by the time we got back to the hotel room. And uh, the hotel had a bar attached. It was amazing. I I actually really liked that place. Unfortunately, I wasn't there here uh, back in... uh, couple weeks ago when i was out in wisconsin but honkers it's a great place i I love it but it's a little hunter's lodge with a bar you know clean rooms nice place but we're staggering around i'm walk guy comes out to walk his dog that's there with him and i'm going on about the tractor and he goes well you want me to tell you a little bit about and i'm filling nick in you know our old sound engineer filling him in on rick goes you kind of know something about this stuff i go i'm the announcer i hope i know a little (laughs) bit about it and, you know, it's been Rick and Gene Pilner, just great people. And like I said, if you got five bucks laying around, you know, send it to them. They, they could use it. Any little bit helps, you know, even buy a spark plug for the damn thing. And then you can say, hey, yeah, I bought a spark plug for that once. Yeah, because it only needs 24 of them. Yep. So with that, we're going to take a break. So Armstead and get more beer. This is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. 
HiRev Technologies of Jackson, Tennessee. HiRev specializes in applying high-performance coatings to various engine and drivetrain parts. HiRev is proud to offer TechLine coatings. TechLine is the world leader in advanced automotive coatings. HiRev also offers dry film lubricants, high-temperature ceramics, and thermal dispersant coatings. Virtually every performance part can benefit from some type of coating. We can coat your parts or supply from our list of approved suppliers such as Clevite, King, FP Diesel, RHS Heads, Federal Mogul, Felpro, and Hastings Rings. They offer custom part designs and machining services. And their projects have run the gamut from large to small. They're happy to take on any size project you can design. Please feel free to contact my friend Josh Mobley at HiRev Technology www.high-rev.com So listen to this. Listen to this. Okay, listen. And we're back. Uh, sidetracked here to wrap up our show for Thursday, June 1st, 2017. I am sto- so stoned on cocaine right now. It's amazing. I think I've lost 10 pounds. At hookers and blow. It's great. I mean... Probably the best diet I've been on in a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, got, so, I got stuck. With that, my name's Armstead. My name is Posh. Good night. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, yeah, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.